don't say this uh, lightly at all this morning, but uh, God's presence is definitely here. Um, God is up to something here in this uh, room this morning. I hope you wore clean socks. I think by the end of the service, uh, many of us will have our shoes off in the presence of the Lord. And uh, he, the, even before the service, earlier this morning, I was in here praying, and there were other people just coming in quietly uh, to pray. Uh, you're allowed to do that. And, uh, and many of us just commented, like, there's, there's something, something special happening here this morning, so we're, we're just thankful for God's presence. Are you glad to be here? You are? All right. Well, let's see what God has in store for us. We're in week four of our Bonfire series, looking at the great stories of the Bible that never get old. Some of you have heard these stories since you were uh, a toddler or, or earlier than that. And, uh, and these stories, though you've heard them your whole entire life, are just as, as rich and, and full uh, as they've ever been. Uh, every time you read them or hear them, uh, they're full of life, and some of you have never heard uh, the story that I'm going to share this morning. You've never, ever, 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 ever heard it ever in your life, and yet it will, it will start a fire in your heart today because that's what the Word of God does. That's what it is. It's, it's alive, and so, uh, so we're, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how God works in each of us this morning. Since we're spending so much time in the Old Testament, I thought I'd take a little opportunity here this morning to tempt you into uh, going here with me. I think we're going to have a picture up here, like any time now would be great. There we are. That's me doing a baptism in the Jordan River, and uh, we can baptize you in the Jordan if you'd like to go to Israel with us. It's full of catfish, and they like to pick at your feet, eh, David Way, while you're in there, but you get over that real quick because you're in Israel, and it's the Jordan, and... Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's one shot. I got another shot here because we're talking about Joshua and Jericho. This is as far as they've dug in Jericho. Um, this is the rebuilt wall that, uh, that, that we're going to talk about this morning. This is the rebuilt wall in Jericho. And they have excavated down to uh, the original road. So when you, you can walk into Jericho on the very same road that, that Joshua walked into Jericho on. And um, as long as, I've been to Israel three times, and I hope to keep going as long as God gives me breath, and we'd like to go again sometime next spring. And if you're interested in Israel, I need you like right away, like today or sometime soon, just to indicate your, your interest on that with us. And uh, you have my cell number, so it shouldn't be hard. <laughs> or use a Connect card. It is the trip of a lifetime. You will be on the Mediterranean. You will sail across Galilee. You will visit Bethlehem and Nazareth and all those places. Uh, you'll spend several days walking in around Jerusalem. You can walk on roads that Jesus walked on. You can stand at the Mount of Olives and look across at Jerusalem the way that Jesus did. Uh, you can pray in Gethsemane. We'll hit all those spots. It's, uh, it's mind-blowing. And you never read your Bible the same again after you've been to Israel. It's a pop-up Bible. And you never read it the same again. Everything's just like, oh, cool, I've been there, I've been there. And uh, so I don't, I don't have the exact date, but we would like to go. And we probably need about, oh, about 30 of you would be great, would be a great trip. 
And uh, so let us know if you have any interest in going to Israel, and we will contact you, and, and, and we'll go. So today's bonfire is, as I mentioned, Joshua and the walls of Jericho, and here's why it matters to us. God has already gone ahead of you, and he's won that battle. And there is no battle or no fortress, no barrier, no new ground that cannot be overcome in Jesus' name. There's no battle, no fortress, no problem that cannot be overcome in Jesus' name. Your battle is not your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Maybe it's a habitual sin that you're trapped in. And it's closed in all around you. And you need this morning, you need the walls of that sin to fall in Jesus' name. Maybe it's, it's spiritual growth and you're stuck and you, you just so much want to, to press in closer to Jesus and to, and to grow and, and, you've been, and you've been stuck and you don't want to stay where you are. Maybe it's a broken relationship. And you need the courage to march around that relationship until Jesus gives you victory. Maybe it's a health issue. Fear has kept you from crossing over and claiming victory in Jesus' name. Maybe it's a financial issue and it's, it's been crippling you and it's been holding you back and you need to trust Jesus more not to make you rich just trusting Jesus as the supplier of all things, as your provider, trusting him fully in that battle, knowing that he's gone before you. The battle isn't your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, Joshua was lucky. He only had to follow Moses. I had to follow Pastor Buckingham. <laughs> Joshua got off easy. And he was Moses' aide as a youth, and, and he grew up following Moses and learning from him. And when Moses was, was building him up and, and preparing Joshua for the, the, the baton pass that everybody knew was coming, Moses' words to Joshua were, he just, he just kept saying to him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. It's a phrase that reappears several times in the book of Joshua. And Joshua's life, is, as God repeats those words to, to Joshua, just keeps pumping his tires and telling him, hey, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And I, I'm no Joshua, but I'm doing my best, as the Lord keeps telling me, just to be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Moses had led the nation Israel right up to customs, right up to the border of the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And Joshua would, would pick up the baton, and he would, he would be the one who would actually lead them into the promised land, crossing the Jordan River into the promised land and taking their first city, Jericho, through a miraculous act of God. And in this story of, of crossing the Jordan and, and taking Jericho, there's no um, military might to marvel at. It is only the providential working of an all-powerful God who is going before his people and doing for them what they could never, ever possibly do on their own. And so when, when God does these things and he gives them great victory, they, 
There's no way that any of them can take credit for the victory. And they can't say, wow, are we ever smart? Are we ever good? Are we ever uh, uh, awesome in military battles? They couldn't do that. They couldn't carry Joshua on their shoulders and say, you know, you, you're the greatest uh, leader because look at what you did. They have no choice other than to recognize the power of God in their lives. And David Wade just did something similar to this, but I'm going to do it again. Hands up this morning. If you have seen God do something in your life that you could just not take credit for. Hands up. Isn't that awesome? The times when we've seen God do something in our lives and we say, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't me. The only explanation for that is, is God did something in my life that I could never, ever possibly do on my own. A few highlights, and then we'll focus on Jericho in, in chapter 6 of the book of Joshua. Right from the beginning of Joshua's leadership journey, in the first chapter of, of, of the book, right after one of the many be strong and courageous uh, phrases, God presses in on, on this young leader, Joshua, the importance of grounding his life and ministry in God's word. Now, he didn't have the whole Bible that we have, he had, what he had for a word was what Moses had been faithful to capture up to this point. That God had been downloading through the Holy Spirit. God had been giving Moses the things to, to write down and Moses had been, been faithful with that and had been capturing it. And God told Joshua to be careful to obey all of the words that have been written up to this point. He said, you young man, you leader, you be careful that you obey every single word that has been written down. Don't deviate. Don't turn to the left or the right. You need to stay focused, stay centered on the word of God, the truth of God. And if you do that, God will be with you. He'll go before you. You've got to study it. You've got to meditate on it day and night. And then he tells him, do not be afraid or discouraged. There is power in the word of God to drive out fear and give you courage. Put, those, put these thoughts together. Let me help you. God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. And then he tells him, you've, you've got to memorize and be faithful to my word. So there is power in the word of God to drive out fear and to give us courage. Reading God's word. It's one of the great remedies for anxiety. If you start to, to feel fear uh, building up inside of you, reading God's word is one of the great remedies for that. Another one, in Joshua chapter 2, there's an absolute mind-blowing story of grace and mercy. It's the story of the spies that Joshua had sent out, the spies and Rahab the prostitute. And I can't unpack the whole story, but it's awesome. And Joshua sends out these spies, and they go straight to a prostitute's home. A place where it wouldn't be uncommon for strange men to be coming and going. It kind of made sense to go to Rahab's home. And Rahab hides the spies and lies to the authorities about it. And she strikes a deal with Joshua's men to... to uh, that when they come to take the city, when the city of, of Jericho falls, that they won't harm Rahab or her family. And the spies instructed, they say, okay, when we come, we want you to, to, to hang 
a, a scarlet rope out of your window. And when our men see the scarlet rope, they will not harm you or your family. That'll be a sign to us. It's a Passover. The scarlet rope is a Passover. It's a foreshadow to the blood of Jesus that will flow down for you and for me. The blood that covers our sin and brings us into a right relationship with our Redeemer. And if you read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, you'll see Rahab's name. She's in the very beginning of the New Testament as a descendant of King David and as a descendant of Jesus Christ. Rahab's, this, this prostitute's conversion, her salvation, her role in Israel's formation, the thread of her life running right up to the very life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an undeniable indicator of the unfathomable grace of God. God uses a prostitute as a key player in his story. And he wants us to see this. He wants us to know this morning that God loves sinners. You cannot outsin the grace of God. God can use anyone. And don't, this morning, don't allow the enemy, don't let Satan remind you of your shame and keep throwing your shame at you, the things that you did, the things that you used to do. You remind Satan of Rahab that God can use anyone. You can have a radical, life-changing, soul-cleansing, sin-erasing, past-forgiving, future-changing encounter with Jesus Christ today where your past cannot hold you down. And Jesus took Rahab as she was and used her availability for his glory. A couple more things and then we'll get to Jericho. We're marching to Jericho. We're getting there. We're on the road to Jericho. Stick with me. Joshua also led the people to purify themselves before they entered the land of, of promise. This makes me think back to a series on revival we did this spring where we, we mentioned that we, we cannot expect corporate revival until we experience personal repentance. Do you remember that? We can't, can't just pray for corporate revival unless we're all willing to experience personal repentance. And Joshua led the people to purify themselves. There is a promised land. There is a place where God wants us to go. God is calling us to go there. But before we do, before we ever, ever think we're going to experience victory over there, we've got to purify ourselves right here. Are we okay with that? This is, this is yes. God won't go before you until you fall before him. For the men... It was sharp knives and a long lineup for circumcision. That's commitment. Presence, God's presence must come before the promises. Yes, the promises are true. And we love to talk about the promises. And I want to enjoy the promises of God. But before I can enjoy the promises of God, I've got to focus on the presence of God. The presence of God has to be real and true in my life. It's got to come before the promises. God will go ahead of you. 
God will go before you. But he wants so much more than that. He wants to be with us now. He wants relationship with us. He wants us to consecrate our lives to him. There's another scene. Um, before they get to Jericho, there's another scene that drives us home. It's Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is on a, on a stroll outside the city of Jericho. And he, and, he, and he must be, you know, have his head down. And he, and he looks up, and there is a man standing in front of him with his sword drawn. And Joshua doesn't know if this, if this man is his friend or foe. And so he asks him, you know, like, like, you know, are you with me or are you against me? Neither, says the man. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now, most of the, most of the resources that I've been studying on this believe that this this commander of the Lord's army is, it was an Old Testament uh, appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, others think, some think that it's an, it's an angel, it's just a representative that God sent uh, from heaven, but some people believe, no, this, this, is, this is an encounter with Jesus Christ himself. When the man spoke to Joshua, when the man said, I am the commander of the Lord's army, this is part of the reason why we think it was Jesus. Joshua fell straight on his face. Face first on the ground. And with his face on the ground, he says to the man, what do you want your servant to do? And the man tells Joshua, take your sandals off, for this is holy ground. Joshua's response, our response when we realize we're in the presence of Jesus, Joshua's response was the right response. Face down, hit the ground, what do you want me to do? Now this is right before they, this is just before they're going to march into Jericho. Just before the battle. Joshua has a face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord that prepares him for victory. Don't go off into battle until you've been with Jesus or you will get whooped. You've got to be with Jesus. That prepares you for the battle. Presence must come before the promises. Don't focus on what you want God to do for you until you have focused on who you want God to be in you and with you. It's easy to think about, oh, God, I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. Here's my list, and, you know, Lord, if you could just take care of this, 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 and this. And, God, I got this really big one this week, and, God, I need you to go before me, and I need you to take that thing down and fix that problem. Don't just focus on what you want God to do for you. Until you have focused on who you want God to be in you and with you. Presence must come before promises. Spend time with Jesus. Get someone on one with Jesus. Put your relationship ahead of your request. Okay, that's the introduction. Are we ready for some walls to fall down? Are we ready? Joshua. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, 
I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word out of any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing the horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. And all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. And they followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up and at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Let's go back to verse 2. We'll put verse 2 up here on the, on the screen for us. And maybe, like me, you've always been wrong about this story. Maybe, like me, you've been wrong. And, and I always thought that Joshua won the battle of Jericho. Wrong. God won the battle of Jericho. Joshua got to experience a victory that he never could have accomplished on his own. Verse 2 tells us that, that God had given Jericho to Joshua before the walls came down. Our problem, our problem is that we don't believe it until we see it. Right? We don't believe it until we see it. And God told Joshua to believe it before he seed it. That is good English, by the way. That is good grammar. <laughs> Don't send me text, but even though you can, because you have my number. <laughs> Do you believe this morning that God will go ahead of you, that God has gone ahead of you, and that God will win the battle before you even get there? Jericho is tightly shut. 
tightly shut means impenetrable. It's one of those, I can't go around it, I can't go over it, I can't go under it. It's, it's, it's one of those kinds of problems. It's bigger than Joshua. It's a God-sized problem. And God-sized problems need God-given solutions. Whatever you are facing, whatever needs to be overthrown and overcome in your life today, stop trying to tackle it on your own. Tell the problem that it has a problem because God is on your side. You tell the problem, it's got a problem. Hey, problem, you got a problem because God is on my side. What God does next is almost comical. You have to imagine the buildup to this moment to, to fully appreciate what, what happens next. For 40 years, they have been thinking about this, this moment. I mean, anybody 40 years or, or younger grew up thinking about this moment. And ever since they left Egypt and ever since they left Pharaoh, they have been looking forward to, to, to this moment. This is like their big climatic moment from all indications. They expected this to be their Braveheart moment. They were warriors, they were soldiers, they were trained for battle, and when God gives them their battle plans, he tells them they're going to walk in circles and play music. And that had, to, that had to really, you know, make some people wonder, can we go, not go back and dig up Moses? Are you sure he's dead? Like Joshua, what are you, what are you thinking, man? Like, that can't be our, our plan. Seriously? This is God's plan? Like, have you seen the walls of Jericho and your plan is we're going we're gonna to march in circles and we're going to play these dumb horns? Seriously? Who knows what terror awaits us on the other side of those walls and you want us to march in circles while the preacher guys play their trumpets? That's great. That's, that's just great, Joshua. God is up to something good. And God is going to do what God wants to do his way. We would never do it this way. We would never, you know, strategize outside the, the city of Jericho and say, I've got a great idea. What if we just walk around it in circles? And someone says, no, no, like, that'll never work. Okay, well, well what if we walked in circles and played horns? Like, we would, just, we would just never do it that way. But, but so often when we're facing something that is, that is insurmountable in our lives, we think about, well, what am I going to do about that? How would I approach that problem? What is my strategy? What is my plan? And friends, it's God's battle, and God is going to win his battles his way, not your way. God is going to bring the victory in an unusual, supernatural, eternally memorable way that no one but God is going to be able to take credit for. Joshua will not be sitting around the bonfire telling people how he came up with this brilliant strategy of circling the city and playing the ram's horns. He's going to tell people that when God gave him the plan, when God said, Joshua, this is what you're going to do. Joshua's going to tell people, in that moment, I guess I had, I had two choices. I could either say, that's crazy, and I'm not doing it, or I could accept it with confidence. 
because of who God is. You see, in those moments of trusting God when God doesn't make sense, we've all been there. You might be there right now. In those moments of trusting God when God doesn't make sense, you have to go back to who God is. What has God done? What has God said? Is he faithful? Are his promises true? Can he be trusted? Has he ever failed me? And in that moment, Joshua chose to follow the plans of a God who splits the sea so they can walk right through it. He trusts in the ways of the God who brought brought bread from the sky, like, like bread falling from the sky every day. He brought water out of rocks. He stopped the waters of the Jordan so that they could walk right through on dry ground. He brought them to Jericho. He promised them Jericho. And even when life didn't make sense, Joshua and the people, they listened to God and they followed God in obedience. You see, when all my focus is on my my problem, when I just focus on my problem, I'm weak. When I choose to focus on God's promises, I'm unstoppable. I think when I remember who God is and what God has done. Verse 8. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. This sounds to me like a loud worship service. And the presence of God is is represented by the ark of the covenant, and all the priests are playing their instruments. And there may, may may have been a little dancing thrown in there too. Who knows? And there's a There's a repetition in in the routine of this that God wants us to see. This march around the city once and get up and do it again and march. This repetition that God wants us to see in here. Because some days you just get up and you do what God says you need to do even if it doesn't feel like progress. Have you been there? Where you're just faithful. And you, you're not, you don't feel like you're going anywhere. You're not sure that this is accomplishing anything, but this is what God told you to do. And some days, you just, you just get up and stay in the routine and do the repetition and do what God told you to do just to be faithful, just because that's what he told you to do. On the first day, they march. The armed men marching with the horn-blowing priests and the Ark of the Covenant. And I would love to have heard their stories that first night around the bonfire. I'd love, wouldn't you love to hear, like, the guy saying, you know, was that not the dumbest thing we've ever done in our whole entire lives? Like, like or, or maybe they just, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm guessing here, okay, this is not written in the scripture. Who knows, maybe the presence of God was so real and so rich with them, maybe they got back around the bonfire that night and said, this is thrilling. I've never, you know, this, this marching and blowing the horns, like, you guys never sounded better. Didn't the band sound great this morning? We were up, uh, I was in here while they were practicing this morning, and then during our prayer time, I said to Pastor Mark, I said, I, I've never heard the band sound better. Like, like what is going on? And, um, and uh, he, 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 he's humble. He's humble, but man, it sounded good this morning. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> were they filled with faith, or did they feel a little foolish, a mix of faith and foolishness, and sometimes following God can feel like that. And you know, 
acts of God, you know, when God does something that only God can do, that that should never be be normal. Um, Like, I want, I want, here, let me say it this way. I want things to be happening at Moncton Wesleyan that none of us can explain. I, I want there to be things happening here that none of us can take credit for. The, the kind of God stuff, God working in people's lives. And, 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 and all we can do is stand back and take our shoes off and say, that, that, was, that was God. God did that. Up the next morning, they march around that God-sized problem, blowing on their horns. Up on the third day, the priest in front, carrying the ark, blowing the horns, circling the city. By this time, the people inside the city of Jericho are jamming their ears full of sheep's wool. Out on the fourth day, carry the ark, blow the horn, circle the city. Out on the fifth day, carry the ark, blow the horn, circle the, circle the city. Getting really familiar. By now they know every nook and cranny of the exterior landscape, of the walls of Jericho. Out on the seventh day, for six days, Joshua told them, no shouting. No, no shouting. I'll tell you when to shout. They've been holding in their shout for seven days. Let's go and look at verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Seven times they marched the city on the seventh day. They they marched seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. In the Bible, it's the number of completion. And on the seventh time, circling the city on the seventh day, the people let out a mighty shout of victory, and they blew their horns like never before, and a miracle happened right before their eyes. The walls collapsed. The walls came down. The enemy was defeated. Victory was accomplished, and God was praised. And maybe this morning you're in a place where you need to tell those walls that you are not afraid of them anymore, that God is with you. Maybe you need direction this morning. Maybe you, 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 you're waiting for God to show you how those walls will fall. Maybe, maybe God's been telling you what to do, but you just think it's crazy. You just think it's foolish. Like, Lord, what will people think? I can't do that. Maybe you're in the routine stage and you've been, you've been listening to God and you feel like you've been obedient to God, but, but you're, you're, waiting, you're waiting for the miracle to happen. You just keep marching day after day being faithful. Don't give up. Keep circling that issue with faith. Blow a horn for Jesus. Stay in his presence and don't give up. Maybe today is the day when walls need to fall in the name of Jesus. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. I want to take us back to Joshua's, Joshua's bonfire, his burning bush, if you will, Joshua chapter 5, when he comes face to face with the commander of the Lord's army, a representative from God, possibly Jesus himself. And before he can complete his mission, facing the enemy and taking new ground. He has this face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ. And there's something deep here for us today. You need your Jesus encounter before you face 
your fears, your foes. Don't face your foes, your fears, until you've been face down with Jesus. Don't expect the walls to fall until your knees fall before Jesus. The walls of Jericho fell, I believe, because Joshua fell before his God in worship. Your enemies won't bow until you have bowed to God. And if that's where, what you need today, and if, if Jesus meets you in this room this morning, if he meets you where you are, and you find yourself in the presence of Jesus, then I would invite you to do what I'm about to do. I would invite you to, to take your shoes off. That's what Jesus said to Joshua. He said, take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. And Joshua did that. And I don't want to, there, there are things in my life that, that I'm facing. And I don't want to face them without the presence of Jesus. Maybe this morning you need a face-to-face -face encounter with the presence of Jesus. And then, and then say, okay, then Jesus, let's, let's tackle that. God, you go before me. You can bring down the walls. Maybe walls will fall here in this room this morning that have been up for a long time. Maybe they're walls that are tightly shut. And, and, and you've, you've stared at that issue a long time thinking, I don't know how that's ever going to come down. And maybe this morning, if you would just open yourself to the presence of Jesus, God would do a miracle in your life. Maybe as the band leads us in worship, maybe you want to come down to the front and uh, take your shoes off. Or you can do it. You can, you can be with Jesus, obviously, where you're at. doesn't matter. But I invite you to come this morning. And like Joshua, ask him, my Lord, my Lord, what do you want me to do? And so I, my prayer this morning, quite frankly, is that many of you, would take your shoes off in the presence of Jesus this morning. And then as a symbol of that, as a symbol of that, don't put your shoes back on. Carry them with you, obviously, and take them with you, and maybe walk to your car in your bare feet. Watch out for glass, things like that. But keep them off for a while. Jesus, we love you. We need you, your presence in our lives more than anything. We're not that smart. We're not that strong. We're not that brave. We can't do this on our own. And so Jesus, we invite your presence to come and meet us face to face. 
And we will fall before you and worship you, taking our shoes off because we're on holy ground. So be with us now as we surrender and worship. In your name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together as we worship. Come to the altar and pray as God leads you.